The contents of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, welcome to another edition of Health Kick. I'm Tim Boron. Today we're talking about some recent interesting news from drug developer Dimerics, which has been focused on developing a treatment for two common kidney diseases. But now it looks like Dimerics might be able to add COVID-19 to its repertoire. That's because its drug candidate, uh, called DMX200, has been selected for use in a big global study to treat acute respiratory distress syndrome, uh, which is more commonly known as ARDS. And as most of you by now know, ARDS is essentially what COVID-19 patients die from, if they do die, of course. I've got with me uh, Dimeric's CEO, Dr. Nina Webster, to tell us more about this uh, COVID-19 program and update us more generally on the company and its um, ongoing kidney programs. So uh, welcome, Nina. Hi, Tim. Thank you very much. No problems. Now, Nina, the program is called uh, Remap Cap, and <laughs> it stands for Randomised Embedded Multifactorial Adaptive Platform for Community Acquired Pneumonia. But uh, readers don't won't be uh, uh, tested on that. T- tell us more about it. It's a, it's a big global program. It's uh, it's endorsed by uh, by the WHO, the uh, the World Health Organization. That's correct. Thank you, Tim. Um, so as you mentioned, REMAP-CAP is a, a global study ongoing at the moment. It brings together a network of leading experts, institutions and research networks in over 200 sites participating globally. Uh, it's aimed at the treating patients with acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS, as you mentioned, uh, as a result of COVID-19. So the, COVID, the, the REMAP-CAP program is, is currently uh, listed as a phase four program. It's endorsed by the WHO, as you mentioned, and it's also designated as what's called a pandemic special study. And under that spe- special um, designation, the pandemic special study designation, the uh, REMAP-CAP program uh, is basically being tasked with answering these crucial questions uh, during the p- declared pandemic, such as COVID-19. So that designation ensures that the knowledge that comes out of these trials can occur directly with the various policymakers and public health officials globally for rapid implementation around the globe uh, if there is a a positive efficacy signal. So it does essentially provide this collaborative and fast pathway to global clinical practice. Sure, okay. And um, I I guess the salient point for Dimerics, the, the, the really sort of pointy end, is that your drug is going to be used in some of the trials. That's right. That's right. I mean, we you already are familiar. DMX200 is a small molecule drug with an extensive safety history. It's in two, uh, currently in two phase two clinical trials in two different types of kidney disease uh, with data expected to read out imminently. But we understand that DMX200 works in those kidney diseases by reducing damage caused by inflammatory cells. And we believe it does this by blocking the signaling process by which inflammatory cells move to the kidney and then present, uh, prevent the onset of what's called fibrosis or scarring of the tissues. Now, the relevance of that to COVID-19 is that one of the, um, the, signal, uh, the symptoms of severe cases of ARDS um, is this uh, widespread inflammation of the lungs that receives, 
that leads to respiratory failure. So ARDS is caused by the immune, human immune response to the virus. So based on the effect on the lung, it's likely that DMX200 may benefit ARDS patients by reducing recruitment of inflammatory cells to the lung and therefore reduce inflammation and fibrosis or scarring. Yeah, okay. It's quite interesting because you've also got a uh, molecule for um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, which I think is called DMX700. But for this program, we're we're not talking about DMX700. We're we're, we're talking about the kidney uh, drug. So it's more the the common theme of um, inflammation. Correct. If you think of DMX700 for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD, it's a very different candidate targeting a very different disease. Um, and COPD is a chronic use, whereas we're looking at COVID-19 ARDS uh, for acute use. So a very different opportunity, although both very scientifically uh, justified and commercially attractive. Okay, okay. And then with the, uh, with the COVID program, where, where do the studies take place and, and, and sort of over what time frame? So the studies are being undertaken in over 200 clinical sites globally in over 15 different countries. The advantage of the adaptive design, so REMAP-CAP is an adaptive design study, is that essentially it can move to wherever the pandemic is. So wherever patients are is where the study can can set up and and initiate sites. So over 200 ongoing at the moment. Uh, Ultimately, the overall trial can um, recruit over 7,000 patients. Bear in mind, as I said, an adaptive trial looks at multiple different drugs uh, to treat the, the disease. Yeah, I guess when you say adaptive, I, I guess it has to be able to move from, from country to country to uh, to find the patients. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll actually become more scarce. There's not much point doing one in Australia at the moment. Uh, well, this is, this is exactly right. And we're very, very lucky to be in Australia at the moment with very few cases. Um, but uh, as you said, it, it can move around the globe to wherever the, the patients are. Equally, being an adaptive design, it can uh, look at a number of different potential candidates and screen very rapidly. So where patients are responding to one drug and not another, they can move patients onto the one that is working. Yeah, okay, okay. And, and the trial uh, is designed to explore diverse in- interventions, uh, which I guess means that they're they're not just trialling your drug, they're trialling a, a, a number of others. Uh, so is the idea at the end of the day to uh, pick a winner, so to speak, or, or, or a couple of winners? That, that's correct. So it has a number of different what's called domains and a domain, if you think of it like a bucket, and the first, first domain or bucket would be an antiviral. There may be some uh, immune modulatory drugs in the second domain. There, the, the plan is to initiate the new domain looking at the renin-angiotensin system, which is essentially the inflammatory system where DMX200 would fit. Okay. And and what what has to be done? Uh, Can can these trials just go ahead or uh, uh, I I presume some sort of uh, approvals are required from various regulators? Correct. So we are currently working actively with REMAP-CAP in developing the, uh, the, the required regulatory submissions in each of the countries. An example would be an IND in the US, for example, with the FDA, um, and then the same with the other countries uh, as required, and finalising the protocol. So what does that particular domain look like within the overall protocol? So we're working actively on that, and upon um, regulatory approval and ethics approval to go into the study, uh, our our role within the uh, study would be to provide the drug, provide DMX200. 
Yeah, okay. Okay. And I, I guess the question on everyone's lips is uh, if a drug can be developed, uh, how long will it take realistically? Yeah, it's a really, really good question, Tim. And a lot depends on, on of course, what the efficacy signals are uh, in the different domains. Uh, at the end of the day, um, it's a relatively fast process at the moment with each of the regulatory submissions for getting the paperwork sorted. Um, most of the regulatory agencies, such as the FDA, have, have halved the time to review an IND submission, for example. And equally, most territories are open to what's called emergency use approval, so can get approval very quickly on the other end of, of data coming out. Um, so as soon as there is an efficacy signal, there is a pathway to a fast pathway to clinical practice. Yeah, okay, okay. And, and, and who's funding the program, Nina? It looks like uh, a number of governments are, are, are stumping up. Correct. Um, the REMAP CAP program itself is funded by a number of government and non-government organisations globally, um, and the REMAP CAP would be the sponsors of the trial specifically. Um, obviously, uh, DMX 200 is owned by Dimerix, 100% owned by Dimerix, and we are responsible for providing the drug to the study. Mm, okay, okay. And, do, and do, do you know how much the uh, the funding is? What what sort of amount we're talking about? Well, the fortunate thing for us, Tim, is that we actually manufactured a large batch of commercial scale uh, DMX two hundred just before uh, Christmas, about October last year. We made an ASX announcement on that. And you remember the last time we spoke, we've always talked about it's not just about clinical trials. You have all these different pieces to the puzzle, such as manufacturing, clinical um, quality etc etc regulatory and so pulling all those pieces together we have a GMP FDA approved manufacturer based in the US capable of full-scale manufacture now having manufactured this batch at the end of last year means that we actually have sufficient supply to provide the study in the first instance um, and then in the background of that prepare for success and and manufacture a second batch uh, uh, for moving into the trial uh, moving forward so in the first instance actually we're ready to go right now yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so there's no uh, there's no further investment required on uh, on your part. Uh, not significant investment, of course. There's always going to be a certain amount of activity. We've got a lot of regulatory activity. We will have to uh, prepare some of those manufacturing activities to move forward to the next stage, uh, and equally the resourcing associated with that. So there is, of course, some cost to Dimerics. Uh, but I would probably add that you know the, our current cash balance uh, that we had at the end of last quarter was a very solid base for us to pursue current clinical trials, including the the ARDS uh, opportunity. And having already manufactured a clinical trial for a clinical trial material for for the next trial is is putting us in a good position. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, in, in, investors really like the news on the day. I think your stock actually uh, rose about sixty six percent. Um, so in, in, in terms of the finance aspects, is, is the key benefit, you know, the value of, of, of the drug uh, you're, you're selling to the program or is it, is it more about the benefit of, of, in effect, someone else trialling your drug, uh, the, the remap cap program, and paying for the trials? So you don't have to. I think it's a combination of, of all of those things. You know, this is a, a hugely um, valuable opportunity, commercially um, attractive opportunity with a near-term approval uh, potential for it. Uh, aside from that, I think there's a huge amount of interest in, in being able to treat these, these patients who are unfortunately dying of, of ARDS. I mean, if you look at ARDS overall, not just for COVID-19, you know, around 30 to 40 percent, unfortunately, will will not come out of hospital. It's quite a high mortality rate across all of ARDS. 
And of course, that then brings into, well, what's beyond COVID-19? COVID-19, typically pandemics are around 12 to 36 months. Um, so assuming that, that uh, COVID-19 is around that long, what's beyond that? Well, if it works in COVID-19, there's no reason to believe it wouldn't work in pneumonia, for example. Yeah. So there's a much bigger market beyond COVID-19. So I think there's a big opportunity there. Okay, so it's um, it's not just relevant to COVID, it's relevant to pneumonia. Of course, we uh, shouldn't forget your kidney programs, the uh, the two you mentioned, and uh, we've spoken about this previously, but just as a reminder to listeners, it's for um, diabetic kidney disease and um, focal segmental glomerulosis. I knew I wouldn't get it right. Glomerulosclerosis. That's close enough. Glomerulosclerosis. Oh, very good. You've obviously had more practice. Uh, let's just call it FSGS. Yep. Um, can you just outline where the uh, programs are at? Because I, I think you had some uh, some results. Uh, scheduled. Absolutely. Absolutely. So very good point. We're still very much anticipating our two phase two kidney studies that are underway at the moment. Um, Both of those studies are being conducted at sites across Australia. The first one, as you mentioned, for diabetic kidney disease and the second one for focal segmental glomerulosclerosis or FSGS. And both of those are on the back of some very compelling data from the phase 2a study we previously reported. So as a reminder, FSGS is an orphan drug. That means it's in a, a rare disease and has the advantage of being FDA and EMA orphan drug designation, which gives us a certain amount of benefits and an abbreviated pathway to approval. Now, both of those clinical trials remain on track and on budget despite COVID-19. And the last patient for FSGS is scheduled to receive their last dose this month and data readouts expected shortly thereafter. And the last patient for diabetic kidney disease in their phase two study is scheduled to receive their last dose in July with data shortly thereafter. So as you can imagine, it's going to be a very, very big year for Dimerics. Okay, okay. So so during the virus crisis, you, you were able to continue dosing from, from the sounds of things. A lot of other trials, I think, had to uh, uh, be suspended. That's right. I think a couple of, of advantages for us. First of all, all of our study sites were in Australia, so we had the ability to monitor them very closely. The second part was our clinical program manager had the, the foresight back in February to put in some contingency plans in the event that any patients were sick uh, or didn't want to to go to a hospital. As it turned out, many of the institutions were no longer accepting outpatient visits anyway. So we were very fortuitous that these contingencies were put in place and they were utilised successfully. So all patients met their visits uh, in accordance with the protocol. Okay. Okay. And how many patients have you uh, enrolled? So we were enrolling 40... 46 in the diabetic kidney disease study. We need 40 to finish because that is a statistically powered study. And we had uh, 10 patients uh, for the FSGS program, which is a phase 2A study. All right. And once again, as a, as, as a reminder, um, the, uh, the therapy DMX200, it's, uh, it's based on a, a blood pressure drug, is it, is it not? So it's sort of a, a reworked uh, drug? No. So, so DMX200 is a small molecule. It's known as a chemokine receptor 2 inhibitor or CCR2 inhibitor. It's used uh, as an adjunct therapy to a patient who is already taking an angiotensin receptor blocker, which is the antihypertensive that you're referring to. So that's the current standard of care is an antihypertensive. And DMX200 is given to patients as an adjunct therapy to patients already taking the angiotensin receptor blocker. And and, and why aren't there sort of any uh, effective uh, existing treatments given these conditions have been around for a long time? That's right. There's actually been no real innovation in the kidney space for over 18 years. 
And we think that's predominantly because traditionally the clinical trials were extremely long in that the endpoints were timed to end-stage renal failure. So as you can imagine, that could be years. Uh, in recent times, so in 2018, the FDA did uh, finally come to, to the realization that actually there are some good surrogate endpoints such as protein in the urine. So having protein in the urine or the amount of protein in the urine is a measure of the rate of kidney disease progression, so how fast your kidneys are failing. Um, so that means that the, the trials can now be months instead of years. Okay, okay. And uh, what are the addressable markets like? So you can imagine with the diabetic kidney disease, um, there's around 40% of anyone with diabetes has kidney disease and many don't even know it yet. You can imagine with the rate of uh, diabetes progression growing globally, uh, the rate of kidney disease is also growing. So that's a huge unmet need, a huge market. Equally with FSGS, there's about 210,000 sufferers globally, so it is a rare disease. However, there is nothing approved for that indication anywhere in the world at this time. So these sufferers, unfortunately, have very poor prognosis, and it affects children as young as two years old. Unfortunately, as well, for those who, who are lucky enough to receive a transplant in FSGS, around 40% will get reoccurring FSGS in the transplanted kidney, and nobody understands why. So a very, very big unmet need uh, and a big opportunity. When you come to FSGS specifically, because it's an orphan indication, of course, it can attract what's called orphan drug pricing, which means because it's a rare disease and the amount of money it takes to develop the drug, there is an incentive for drug companies to develop the, the compound and, and uh, achieve a higher price for it. Okay, okay. And, and speaking of pricing, just just sort of ju jumping back to the COVID issue just, just briefly again, um, I, um, I, I, I sort of meant to ask you about pricing. Uh, when, when you provide the drug, uh, how do you price it? Is it, uh, is it sort of mate's rates or uh, the full wax, so to speak? Yeah, again, it's a really good question, Tim, and, and probably a difficult one to, uh, to answer given we're quite early in, in the piece. If you think that this was a concept that both myself and our R&D director, Dr. Robert Shepherd, only thought of about six weeks ago. So it's been a very fast and rapid development uh, into the clinical trials that we, we sit at now. However, if you look at the Gilead compound, uh, they had an antiviral that they were developing uh, that, uh, that had some uh, articles released on it for the pricing purposes. And they're speculating that the Gilead drug will be retailing at around $4,500 US uh, per treatment. So it gives an indication of, of the type of, of costing that, that COVID-19 drugs are attracting. Right, okay, okay. But, but you would be providing it to the program, I presume, at uh, a yeah, sort of concessional rate. Well, for the clinical trial, we provide it for free. That is oh, for in free. kind. Okay. We, will, we, will, we will donate the drug to the clinical trial. Aha, uh -huh. okay, okay. But, but in return, in return, we get the clinical trial data. Yes, okay. Well, that, <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like a fair swap. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, just uh, you, you, you mentioned you're in a sound financial position, so you don't need to raise any uh, more funds. I think you've got about three and a half million in the bank as of the last quarter. You did. That's correct. And and the three point five million that we um, we spoke of at the end of the last quarter, so end of March, is sufficient to see us through those current clinical trials. To be fair, we will always continue to assess capital needs to support that longer term strategy. Uh, including the planning of success of the DMX200 and the kidney program, for which we are looking at the phase three program right now, uh, as well as the DMX700 program and, of course, the new ARDS opportunity. Okay, great. All right. Thanks for joining us, Nina. We look forward to hearing more news, uh, which presumably 
will be on the kidney side first? Uh, most likely. Uh, we're expecting to, to dose the last patient for FSGS in June. Of course, we are in June, so that's imminent. Yes. Um, and we, we will let the market know when that patient has been done. Okay, great. Oh, it sounds like we'll be talking again very soon. Thanks for dropping by, Nina. Thank you very much, Tim. Really appreciate your time. <laughs>